Welcome to Blitz Fitness, episode 6. I am recording on the morning of, it's really not going to be morning much longer, but it is Saturday, February 4th, 2012. I am Brian, a.k.a. Blitz, a.k.a. The Reactionaire, and I've sort of got a bit of a mishmash for you guys today. Normally, my idea is to have one topic, do the journal updates, go to the topic, and then say goodbye. Well, the journal update's still in the right spot, but... I had to change sort of the, t- the main topic that I have for you guys today, which means there's a subtopic too. I don't know how much I'm going to be talking on these items, but I wanted to go ahead and just warn you that the main topic for today is something that I did plan on bringing up and going on about a long time down the road. And in fact, I'm going to do it today instead But saying that, I also have to add, I was going to make sure it came after a similar topic about a different but related item. So I know that's just a whole bunch of confusion, and you've got a mishmash of arrows pointing every which way in your head. It's what I do. Anyway, we are in February now, which means that the hibernation is officially over. So let me start off with the journal of where we're at. Because I do things the way that I do, taking December off, enjoying Christmas the way that I do, and then taking January off because it's too dark and cold out for me to uh, fight against my circadian rhythm, which is telling me, no, get inside, put on some, some lounge pants and just hang back. February's on its way. It'll be here. Well, now it's here. So I do sort of start over every year, but not in a bad way. Instead, every year that I start... I do few things a little bit different. Do things in a way that that really kind of tosses up what I had been doing before, which is why I can easily get some pretty good results early on before it starts tapering off and I really have to adjust the program to keep from plateauing. I'm going to give you guys my numbers now, so we're starting anew. December and January did their damage, so this morning I weighed in at 304.8, might as well call it 305. But what's interesting is that my body fat is at 32.3%. Extraordinarily high. I consider that morbidly obese, but it had been higher before. In fact, when I started this show, it was about 33, if I remember correctly. So that's sort of the nice thing that we can say about this this horrible number, is that it not only could have been worse, it was worse at some point. So, at least fat-wise, I'm starting off a little bit better than you would otherwise imagine I was. So, I give you guys a uh, 42-point scale. This is spot 40. Uh, Of course, the higher, the worse. But 32 point... uh, What did I just say? 32.3%. And 305 pounds, basically. Now, I've been tracking for the whole week. It was a little bit higher... A lot of this that just came off is all that water weight that you sort of accumulate. And I've been eating A-OK. And it's the eating that I want to get to. Last episode, I was discussing with you all the technology that I was using. I had originally meant to focus on not one app, but one type of app, and then give sort of my personal feelings on it. And then instead I just went through all the ones that I'm using for the most part. And that was going to be the end. So if you listen to episode 5, I mentioned a series 
that just was one episode long. Well, it's kind of come back. I have to pull a complete 180 on my app recommendations for you guys about the food cataloging app. I had blushed about the Net My Net Diary app, and I said I paid the three or four bucks to get rid of the ads, and I was mostly happy with it and had a few problems. The few problems I had was how the uh, vitamins and minerals had to be put in by their actual amounts, whether that's milligrams, micrograms, whatever, and not what I see so commonly here in the States, at least, which is percentages on the labels. And in fact, after that show, I decided to, or maybe it was during the show, I decided to actually look at my bottle of vitamins and I saw that it's got both the percentage for the daily value as well as the actual containing amount. Everything else I see has the percentages. They really don't break it down into amounts, at least not with the products that I buy and have been checking out. That said, I had heard before about a recommendation for the app Calorie Counter, and I said, you know what, let's do what I did with the exercise app, which of course was long before the show, so that's why I didn't get into all the other ones I had looked into, but I had said I actually paid for a bunch of them, and wound up really loving a specific app over all the rest for logging, for what it forced me to do, for what it didn't force me to do. And so I had said, I really enjoy Gym Goal Plus. Well, I've since deleted my net diary because it just became too much of a pain for me to update it. And I tried two other apps that I preferred better. They didn't have as much in them, but what they have is more, it's more, uh, it's a better design. It's better engineered, I think, for updating. And there's, again, just like with Gym Goal Plus, there's a little bit less hand-holding. And that's, hand-holding is not the thing I need. I just need a database that I can put things into. So I tried two other ones. I tried Calorie Counter, which comes extremely highly recommended, and I tried something called MyFitnessPal. I ran into the same problem with Calorie Counter with the vitamins that I did with MyNetDiary, in that, again, the percentage wasn't being put in the way that I wanted it to be, the way that I think is easiest and, at the same time, most logical. But I didn't find too much of a difference at first between my fitness pal and calorie counter. And so I quickly got rid of my net diary. And so now I have these two free ones that I'm looking at and enjoying instead. I didn't know which one I was going to go with until I decided to try a feature that I never felt like I needed to use. In fact, I so felt like I didn't need to use it. I told you guys that I didn't ever plan on using it in a previous episode and that is the barcode scanner and that was because it was important to me to actually see these nutrients and put them in a logical context in my head as I was putting them in giving me that extra feedback about what it was that I was eating what was in it and what I didn't like and I pointed out that I saw the sodium on the packets of oatmeal 
compared to what I'd be dealing with if I just bought the sugar separate myself from the oatmeal separate and put them together, it's a lot healthier. And I thought it was so weird, but I wouldn't have caught it, probably, had I not input the data one by one, line by line, and instead just use the barcode scanner. Well, as it turns out, that was the only difference I ran into between MyFitnessPal and Calorie Counter, the only one that was significant enough to me, at least, which was the barcode scanner. I've got an old iPhone. We're talking about an iPhone 3G, and I bought it after the iPhone 3GSs had been out for a bit. So it's not a 4, it's not a 4S, I don't have an iPad or anything along those lines, and anybody who's followed the way that these upgrades in the iPhone have been, you'll notice there was a lot mentioned about graphics on the uh, in the screen itself as well as a much improved camera since the 3G. And I could just never get a barcode to scan with calorie counter on my phone. With my fitness pal yet, for whatever reason, I hardly ever run into that problem. The only time it doesn't scan a barcode is if I accidentally get my finger in the way, which happens more than I'd like to admit, or if the barcode was actually put in a spot on the package that's kind of weird. Maybe there's a bend or a fold into it, and it's thrown off the shadows or, or whatnot. Certainly, they both work better under better lighting conditions, but I tended not to have to go out of my way to get a, a, an improved view with my fitness pal. I mention that because anybody who has a better phone with a better camera, take a look at these two apps and see how it's laid out and how everything else is put in in order for you to determine which one you prefer. But thanks to that extra feature, I decided I'm sticking with MyFitnessPal. And I've been updating it for this packed week. Uh, packed week? This past week instead. And it's done well for me. I haven't had much of an issue. I am trying to be conscious of the same message that I gave to you guys last week, though, and that I need to pay attention to what it is that I'm putting into my body via this food. So if it's something that that I'm, I'm logging in that I can use a UPC code, I'm sitting back after logging everything, and I'm looking at it, and I'm actually thinking about what it's offering me. I'm thinking about the amount of fat total and how that fat's being broken down. I'm thinking about the cholesterol. I'm thinking about not only just the amount of sodium, but also comparing the sodium per calorie sort of blend that I'm getting there. I'm also thinking about my protein and fiber needs throughout the day. How are those being met? I'm actually looking them at them quite a bit more closely than I might otherwise. All the rest of the foods, things that I'm preparing myself that I don't have the luxury of actually just using a barcode, then it's not a problem because I am putting it in line by line, item by item. And of course, don't forget, these things all were set up so that you could go back and you can review what it is that you're looking at, or that you're taking in, I should say. And it's definitely worth doing that. It's definitely worth revisiting, especially as you might find yourself altering your diet because of it. And I can tell you, in fact, that I have. It's something I already told you guys in advance, but it's worth mentioning. I double-checked. I went to the grocery store, I looked at the cardboard tubes of Quaker Oats, and I grabbed a, a box of brown sugar, and I compared that to what I was getting 
in the packets that purported to be the same thing. Well, they're not. The sodium is out of there. I swear the fiber is higher. And you know what? I like having the better deal. I'm spending less overall, especially once long-term comes into play. So do the same. Take a look at the foods that you can do like that and do the same. Still trying to get my sodium down. That's the one thing that uh, we'll have to talk far, far later in the future about that. But again, I just want to say that I take back a lot of what I said last week. I am sticking with and I am uh, approving for myself my fitness pal. It's a nice, easy thing. It's also got a little bit of a social media thing that's put in there. That's extra. I don't really need that. And one of these episodes, we're going to talk about how each one of them tend to tell you how many calories left you have in a day. And if you do try all three of these and you input the same information, you're going to get different amounts of how many calories you should get. And one day there's definitely going to be a show on, if not where those numbers come from, I think more on how I've found there's an easier way to go about doing this. That the more advanced ways are more advanced, but I don't think they're all that necessary in order to lead a healthy life. If we're talking about somebody who wants to be an athlete, perhaps competitively, whether it's professional sports or maybe you're, you're trying to actually win prizes in a 5K or a marathon or whatever it may be, then we're talking something different. Then go advanced. But simple is good. Simple, we can all do. That's the side project. That's the, the, the side topic. That's the end of, of hopefully, the, the app series. I will say, begrudgingly, because I know it just means more work for me, but if you have tried an app that I have not mentioned, and you recommend it, or you'd like me to just take a look at it, go ahead, send me the suggestion. You can do so at thereactioneer at gmail.com. I will take a look at it. The only time that may not happen is if it's a paid app and there's not a free version for me to at least demo. Because while I'm willing to do that for myself, I do not want to just start tossing money left and right, even if it is just a dollar at a time on these different apps, especially because I'm in a good spot. I've got something that works for me. So, yeah, thank you very much. So today's topic was going to be about a message that gets sent out to those of you who want to become fit, who want to change your health lifestyle. But instead, I'm going to talk about something completely different. Because I can. Yeah, that's really about the only reason I've got. Next week, I hope to actually get onto that. That's a less of... Well, it's, it's useful information for you, but it's less useful than I think what we're about to talk about. My topics aren't set up in advance in the sense that I want to cover a slew of, of these topics under one category that all eventually fit together. Instead, it's really what's of my mind at that time. I mentioned sodium, and I mentioned that one day I'll be talking about that. So what am I talking about today? I'm talking about cholesterol. There's a simple rule out there for cholesterol in case nobody knows it, and that is you want to be under 300. And what they're talking about is 300 milligrams 
or less of cholesterol is good. Anything higher can lead to problems. Just search cholesterol and you'll find plenty about uh, cardiovascular diseases, coronary heart disease, hypertension. You'll find plenty of the downsides to having a highly cholesterol-filled diet. And as good as that simple advice is, I feel like it's maybe just a little bit too easy to follow that it'd be, a, it'd be better for you and you'd be more likely to watch it if you kind of understood at least basics of what is happening in your body. Now, keep in mind that I'm not currently in classes for fitness, so it's not as if I'm studying this right now with a textbook in front of me. And keep in mind that I'd like to go to pre-med. I'm not even at that point yet. So I might get something a little off, or I might try and use some metaphor that actually doesn't fit the situation. That's why, still looking at the basics, but more basic than what people seem to think about cholesterol. It seems to me that people think as soon as you eat something, and most things have cholesterol, let's keep that in mind, but as soon as you do, it's over. And by it's over, I mean that cholesterol is in your body. So, it's hard to get a good feel about what's actually happening, especially because you might start thinking of cholesterol simply as being bad. And a lot of people who've actually tried to pay attention to their cholesterol before will have learned that there's two types. As far as I'm aware, there's actually four types. But they think of the, this in the basic two types of cholesterol, good cholesterol and bad cholesterol. So if anybody isn't sure what those are, I'll go ahead and just repeat them real quick. The good cholesterol is commonly acronymed as HDL, and that stands for uh, high-density lipoprotein. The bad one is LDL which is low-density lipoprotein. There's actually two others that can appear. You have VLDL, which is very low-density lipoprotein, and then IDL, which is intermediate-density uh, lipoprotein. And then, of course, there's triglycerides that can come into the question as well. I'm talking more, though, about what, about how cholesterol gets bad to you like, what is going on in the body? Because I find it interesting, and I just feel like sharing this information with all of you. Again, remember, this is just a... My opinion is that I have just a cursory education on it. So, don't take this as gospel. But there's a few things involved that, when you put it all together, you're like, Wow! So that's how that all works. That's how all that fits together, and that's why this or that happens. And it, let me tell you the biggest reason why I think it's important to come out and say, let's talk about cholesterol. Because the problems you get with cholesterol typically is the, the arteries in your body getting gummed up, decreasing blood flow, possibly creating blood clots. It could go to your brain, cause a stroke, and anybody who's even heard the word stroke probably is aware of how scary of a thing that can be, about what it can do to you, even if it's not fatal. But at the same time, it can go to the heart, and you can have a heart attack, and I don't think there's anybody who's ever said, I'd like to have one. The truth is, though, those problems 
asymptomatic. People tend to not know one is coming. You may hear people say they feel a heart attack coming, but really what they're feeling is the first stages of the heart attack. Because they're asymptomatic, they can just hit you at any time, and you'd be surprised at the ages it can hit you too. So I just feel like putting out a little bit of this knowledge and letting you sit on it and think about it. For the most part, a lot of people think that, okay, here's this high cholesterol food, nachos with cheese or pizza or, or something along those lines. You ate it, it's now in your blood. Well, it's not actually that simple. What's really happening is you are eating those foods. It's going into your guts. And your intestines are sort of bleeding the cholesterol out and they have they have an enemy this cholesterol does specifically the bad cholesterol does the LDL that enemy my friends is the liver the liver is shooting out these cells it just we all tend to think of a cell as this circular like blood cell looking thing we think every cell looks like a blood cell for the most part well fine go ahead and keep that image that's not a problem but I want you to think of of this cell as having either on its side or on top of it think about having this claw thing that's just on top of it and what it's going to do it's going to grab the LDL that's the mission of these cells put out by the liver and it's going to take care of the cholesterol for you and it's absorbing this cholesterol your liver is these cells are hooking onto it taking it in with you the problem is and it is a problem, but it's also it's also trying to avoid a different problem. The problem is your liver can actually only take so much of this cholesterol. For example, it can take 300 milligrams or less. And the liver, quote-unquote, knows this. It knows what it's got as a capacity. It's getting instructions for how to send out these cells and what it can do with it. We'll get back to the instructions in a second. And so, once it's reached that limit, if the liver tries to take in more, it's damaging your liver, and you kind of want to keep that. So, the liver basically shuts its doors and says, alright, everybody inside, we got what we needed, cholesterol, you go out and you just, you run free in the town, and it is running free, it's running free in your bloodstream. And it's while it's there... Because the liver's not attacking anymore, it's got what it needed. While it's there, the walls of your artery, the inner wall of the tube of your artery, is getting LDL that is just penetrating through it. And it's getting right into the middle of it there. And your body shouldn't have to fight this off. Because if you eat a good diet, it would never get to this point anyway, right? Right. For the most part. You know, again, very basic terms here. But it's there, and so the body's like, well, I gotta do something, otherwise this is gonna cause a lot of damage. So it starts sending things in. And it starts saying, alright, we need to envelop this cholesterol, and we need to just start healing this stuff up. And it creates, uh, it goes from plaque to scar tissue, basically, on the inside of your walls. Now, of course, we're talking about the human body, so I'm making it sound huge, when it's really something tiny, but there's two things. It adds up over time, and just because the damage is tiny, don't forget that it's not tiny in comparison to your artery. 
It's still a huge thing. Still important. This plaque builds up over time, and that artery gets a little smaller, so less blood flow can go through. Which, of course, hypertension is known as high blood pressure. And it's high pressure because the same amount of blood is coming up out of the heart. And it's smacking through your artery, and there's this obstruction. And so the pressure is building as only so much can get through, and it's going to stay that way if you don't take care of things. That's how it gets there. It gets there because the liver can only do so much. So, in a way, if you have a high cholesterol diet, it's Bart Simpson's damned if you do, damned if you don't. Because you're either going to lose your liver, or you're going to lose your artery, so to speak. Something's got to give. So that's why the best thing you can do is make sure you're under 300 milligrams of cholesterol so it doesn't get to this point. Now, what's interesting to me that I learned only recently was something called uh, hypercholesterolemia. And, of course, uh, familial hypercholesterolemia. And, of course, we're talking about science, and it's got to have these long-ass words... But it's interesting because I've never put these things together. If you've gone to your doctor, whether recently or not, you probably recall being asked about your family's health history. And, whoops, sorry about that. I didn't mean to make that noise. Anyway, they ask you your family history, especially if any uh, heart disease issues from your parents, maybe even their parents, And one of the things I've never quite understood was why they ever would ask that question when it comes to cholesterol. Well, it turns out there's a damn good reason why. And I am very excited to learn this information, and I'm hoping that if you haven't told your doctor, you will, that you will see him, that you will get checked up, and that you will take care of this thing. Turns out, that the instructions, our body works off of a set of instructions and it's based off of our genome. Genes are just a set of instructions, just as we often talk about proteins being a Lego block that can just build up material. So your genes are really our instruction manuals, is all it is. And your body works off of those. And this is for everything, right? Well, it turns out there's two genes that instruct your liver to release cells at the cholesterol as it comes in. But you can have, as far as I'm aware, maybe there's other ones, but I'm only aware of this one, or these ones, I should say. You can have either two good genes, one good gene, or no good genes, as far as telling your liver to take care of cholesterol. Two good genes, 300 milligrams or less, that's what you're still going for. Two good genes, and you probably won't have to really worry as long as you've had a nice, active lifestyle, as well as a good diet, you probably won't have to worry about atherosclerosis, uh, the gumming up of your arteries. You probably won't have to worry about that until your 50s. Then around there, your doctor is probably going to start asking you and taking all these extra blood tests and keeping a closer eye on this, and you go through the whole rigmarole of aging. 
Well, those two genes are actually one each from your parents, which is how actually a lot of these genes work, which is why there are so many traits of us that are similar to the mom, so many similar to the dad. And it turns out, if you get a bad one from one parent and a good one from the other, you have what's called heterozygotic familial hypercholesterolemia. And I think I mostly got that out correctly. But in other words, you have one good one, one bad one. So what's going to happen with that is that your liver's job is still to send out those cells. Still target and attack the cholesterol milligrams that are coming into your bloodstream. But now, because it's got two sets of instructions, it's releasing, it's still releasing the cells. But it's either not releasing enough, or there's a good portion of them that are defective. That the, the hook and the, the thing I wanted you to imagine is, is facing the wrong way, or it's shorter, or it just can't grab as much. Whatever it might be, it's just not as good. Therefore, your body can't remove as much cholesterol to keep it out of the bloodstream as before. So you would have to have an even stricter diet regarding cholesterol. You'd have to try and avoid that even more. And the problem you run into under the av same average diet as the person in the previous example who didn't have to worry until he was coming up on retirement age, now you have to start worrying about your midlife. Now you're looking at your 30s when this starts becoming a problem. I believe that I may fit this based on my familial history. And I am tw 27, going to be 28 in six months. And so I am definitely nearing that. And plus, as I just told you guys, being overweight and having a high percentage of body fat, clearly a risk factor. It may increase the severity of an event if there is an event, and it likely increases the likelihood of an event. So, two really problematic things that come with it. It can be worse, though. And I should mention, a, uh, a statistic that I saw mentioned that about 1 in 500 people have that. So, it's surprisingly common. 1 in 1 million have the worst one, which is two bad sets of instructions for the liver. This is called homozygotic familial hypercholesterolemia. Wow, I think I did that one right when I said it. Go me. Anyway, two bad sets of instructions. Rare, one in a million, but still, there are millions upon millions of people out there, so there's plenty who have to actually deal with this. And what happens is now... Remember how before, if you were perfectly normal, you didn't have to wait till you, you had to wait until your late stages in life till this became an issue? Well, these people, the homozygotics, teens. Before you've even hit the prime of your life becomes an issue. Events are extremely more likely and extremely more fatal from what I read. Because now, there's nothing but bad receptors going out left and right. And I'm sure by the liver having this set of instructions, maybe it leads into more problems than just the ones that I'm thinking about today, but I'm not sure. But if you're, if you're looking at your family and you're saying, well, you know, mom and dad, they both kind of have an issue 
or their parents both have had issues regarding their heart, may want to tell a doctor. And I was mentioning earlier that I don't plan which episode I'm going to talk about in a specific set of series usually, but this really fits in well because all three of those apps I mentioned earlier will help you track cholesterol. So I'm going to go ahead and look at mine real quick here. But first, let me remind everybody, because it's been a while, about what my diet is. And I'm still running into the same problem, if you heard the first show, I'm still running into the same problem where the weekend is just all the hell for me. Because Saturdays, I hang out with friends, never know what I'm going to eat. And then Sundays, I try and keep busy, but it's not always easy to do, and I never know if I'm going to get a hankering for something that I can't fight off or replace with something healthier. Weekdays, though, are pretty solid. So weekdays, I actually stop at my uh, the Jamba Juice local to my office where I work and typically get smoothies. What I get or what size I get it in typically depends on uh, the calories more than anything else. I'm willing to have up to 600, but that's rare. Usually I'm in the 400s. Uh, sometimes I even get less, but... Not often. I try and stay between 400 and 600 calories for breakfast. And I have recently started using the Boost. They have a, a really nice uh, flax and fiber Boost. And uh, I'll do that just to help kind of mesh out the fiber a bit. I'll get the food sometimes too. And of course that changes things up a bit. But that's my breakfast. Then I have a banana about oh two to three hours later. And that's after I do uh, about 15 minutes of walking. Then in the middle of my day, I will have lunch, of course. And so that's about two and a half hours later from the snack. And that will usually be... That's actually typically my biggest meal of the day. Uh, by far. We're talking about a yogurt cup. Uh, a pouch. The smaller pouches of tuna. And a sandwich. And usually the sandwich, of course, is where the bulk of those calories come from. Two slices of bread, three to four slices of whatever lunch meat I've gone with, and one to two slices of whatever cheese I've gone with. Then, about, oh, two hours later or so, I have another banana. Then it's home, and home for dinner, I could have a whole different number of things. I could have straight-up normal veggies. I could have... Those steam fresh veggie bags that usually have a little bit of a sauce to them or some pasta. Or oatmeal is a big one that I'll get sometimes. Sometimes, though, I might need something else. Like, I just, I really want hot food, but I don't feel like cooking something. Or I need something to cool down and everything I've got to cook. Whatever it might be. So, generally, it's under a lot of control. I'm going to load up the app here and sort of give you guys my numbers based on that knowledge now. Based on now you know what it is that I'm eating, where does that put me cholesterol-wise? Because I'm hoping that you can kind of compare it to what your average diet is. And you'll see that controlling for cholesterol, I don't think is all that hard. So we're going to go to my daily numbers, and we're going to go back to Monday for this week. So that was January 30th, I believe. So Monday, January 30th, my cholesterol was 173. Not bad at all. Under 200. 
Fantastic. Tuesday, 179. So still under. Wednesday, 281. So that's a noticeable jump, about 100 milligrams. Well, I happen to know Wednesday, I was fiending for some food. So I actually got two. I'll say it again. I got two Jimmy John sandwiches. Remember, I'm a big guy. Now, eventually... My stomach will shrink, and thus I will shrink, so that one will definitely be enough to fill me. But I went with two. Stayed under my calorie goal. My calorie goal for this past week was 2,700. I kept coming in under that, so I've lowered it to 2,600. I was still under it that day, too. Thursday had a normal eating day, 159, the lowest one yet. And I think part of what helped there is that there is a new tuna pouch that I tried, uh, put out by Starkist, that is your normal tuna in water, but this one had reduced sodium. So I'm going to make sure I buy at least one of those every week in order to be like, hey, yes, this is what we want. <laughs> we want less sodium. Still tastes fine. If you're okay with tuna, it still tastes fine. So Thursday was fine. Now, yesterday, Friday, February 3rd, 279. That one was a very high sodium day for me. And that was because I was freezing and I was very hungry too. And I ended up having four cans of soup. And specifically, the two, it was two of one and two of another. So we're talking 800 calories. So that's a binge. Absolutely, that's a binge. And what I ended up doing was two of one, which is a little bit heavier than your normal chicken and here's a noodle and veggie soups. This was that plus potato dumplings. The other soup was even thicker. It was this chicken pot pie one that, uh, I don't know that Progressive stopped putting it out, but they uh, made it less available at the store that I was shopping at. So that was a bit of a break. Yet, while it sent my sodium careening, I still, even with all of that, managed to come under cholesterol-wise. But today is Saturday, and who knows what's going to happen, that's the whole point. And not only is tomorrow a Sunday where things become questionable, but tomorrow is a Super Bowl Sunday. I'm not really big into the Super Bowl parties, I will go to them. I may, I, I find it hard to pay attention to a game like I'd like to pay attention to when there's a bunch of people around. So it's probably going to be more socializing and eating, of course. It always goes with socializing. So it becomes harder to track, but I'm going to do my best for it, and we're going to see what happens and see if I can still manage to stay under 300 milligrams for cholesterol. The idea would be, I think to not worry so much about it day to day, but instead keep track and take a look at it week to week. See if you need to make an adjustment. You could just do 300 times 7. That's all you got to do. 2,100. Just see how you're doing with that. Make adjustments as needed. One thing that's nice, this app that I'm using always asks what the potassium is, and very few of the items I buy seem to include the potassium number. Sometimes it's hard to find the vitamin numbers on food items as well. Cholesterol, though, is just like calories. It's just like fat, just like fiber, protein, and sugar. That's always on the label, so that's always easy to find. And the numbers seem small. You think about the thousands of calories you can eat a day. You think about the 
30 or so grams of protein as well. You can, you, so you get the smaller numbers for your day. You get the higher numbers in other areas. This is right in the middle. 300. You know, think this is Sparta. That'll just help you just add them up as you go along the day. Remember to multiply it by however many servings you have. And if you have the whole container, that's even easier to do because you don't have to measure it out. You could just say, I had this whole can, this whole box, this whatever. Multiply that number by the servings per container. And we have plenty of tools to do the math for you if that still is a problem. But definitely keep it under because that's going to... When you have too much fat and too many calories, you see the fat. You feel yourself get weighed down. I think you can even tell the difference when you have too much sodium. You definitely know if you have too much fiber. We won't get into why that is, though. But you definitely know when that happens. But cholesterol, you're not going to feel that until something happens. And that, of, that something is quite an event. You don't want to experience that. It can lead to long-term damage, even if it's minor. But it can definitely go all the way up to the fatal range on the scale. So I hope you guys find it interesting about what your body does to combat cholesterol and how it can still not matter. And see an example of how your genes really do affect how this or that works for you. I find it fascinating. There was a time when I was looking at the term heterozygote and so forth and thinking, what does a zygote have to do with cholesterol? Zygotes have to do with with uh, the giving birth and uh, you know forming from nothing to something as a living being. So where does cholesterol come into it? And I was so happy to find an answer to that, and I just wanted to share it with you guys. So I'm hoping, unless if something else comes up, I may do sort of like I did today where I said, follow up to the app thing. I may sort of come back to you guys next week and say, follow up to the cholesterol thing. But... Unless if something overtakes my planned issue, I want to talk to you guys about the messages that are sent and received about getting into a fit lifestyle. i got some problems with the way we as professionals do this. Some of the things we say when we should know better because we got the education that should tell us right there and alone. But the fact that a lot of us had a starting point to go through as well, and that it may fool and dishearten those of you who are not professionals trying to get involved into a healthier lifestyle, a workout program, etc. And I just, I've had grievances about this for a long time, and I said, hey, now I've got a different outlet I can put it through. So I'm going to do that. I hope you all are doing well. Welcome to the second month of the year. Enjoy the upcoming holidays, of course, which would be the Super Bowl tomorrow. Valentine's Day in 10 days, single awareness day for those of us who are not quite so lucky. And if you're in the Chicagoland area, I believe the, uh, the car and auto show is coming soon. I like to take in that nice bit of walking around to work off that random popcorn or churro you're sure to buy. <laughs> Because you can still treat yourself to that stuff. Remember, I've told you that. Just keep track of it. Keep track of the calories. And now, keep track of the cholesterol. 
I will speak to you guys next week. Good luck on your endeavors. Take care.